0: Heads, welcome back to another episode of Horror 365. I am your host, the mouthpiece of the Northeast, Jimmy J, alongside today with the 80s horror god himself, Sean T and why. Why is Sean on this show? Well, because we love Sean. We want him on every show possible. But aside from that, today's a very special episode. I've been scouring the internet in the streets in search of the man that was behind in search of darkness. The journey into 80s horror and he's finally here right now mr robin block robin thank you for joining us today all the way from the uk how are you buddy
1: i need to record that and play it first thing in the morning because <laughs> that was the best that was the best introduction i've ever had in my life right? <laughs> I, i'm so motivated to to be the best podcast, podcast guest you've ever had now <laughs> i'm really pumped
0: you know what a lot of people say you know we don't need coffee we don't need caffeine we just need jimmy J. and money.
1: i'm i'm sold i'm sold i'm
0: there
2: <laughs> kind of like the rocky theme
0: yeah all yeah, right a little motivation <laughs> well you know what man you got to get that pump in, no matter what day especially on monday mornings everybody's like oh, please i said listen i got you covered i'm up at 5 a.m uh eastern time almost every day and i don't know where it comes from robin but it's just i think it's genetics it's just.
1: It's a gift. It's a gift.
0: (laughs) Well, it's a gift today uh, to have you here on the show, man. Um, I appreciate it. Like you have no idea because I've been I've been watching these documentaries uh, since the first part. And when I first seen it come out, I'm like, oh, wow, this is this is interesting because for me, I've never seen something like this on 80s horror and watching them. man, it was I had a ton of questions going through my mind, but I guess starting from the top here to you. What was it that did it for you? What, what was it that hooked you on horror? Do
1: you know, it's, I was talking about this the other day with a friend of mine. Um, when I was growing up, um, I had a, a single parent family. I live with my mom and um, my mom really didn't worry too much about the age ratings on videos. So I remember seeing the thing when I was very, very young. Um and what we used to do on Saturday nights is we used to go to the video shop and we'd get a horror movie and a pizza, so that was my entry to uh eighties horror um and I you know have vivid memories of the first time I watched Nightmare on Elm Street um and Evil Dead and like all the classics and you know you 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 grow up um and when i when I was in my sort of mid thirties, it was like eighties horror started calling me, I found myself drawn to kind of obscure websites that had all the VHS cover art, And I didn't understand at the time, but that was such a huge signal. Um, and, um, you know, that's kind of where it started that it was kind of, it was realizing that kind of eighties horror was actually a very safe space from an imaginative point of view. Um, and I kind of missed the aesthetic. I missed the experience of committing to a film based on the cover art and what you read on the back, and then you were stuck with it. You had to see it through, and it's so different to how we consume media now where if something doesn't do it for you straight away, you move on to the next thing because everything's available everywhere. Um, and, yeah, know, the, the same applies to music, and I think what's interesting about... Um eighties horror and also in search of darkness is you know it's coincided with the kind of massive spike in the rise of vinyl, the massive spike in um you know nostalgia so there's lots of different things thrown thrown in there, and also these these things tend to work on a thirty year cycle so a lot of the guys and girls who were kind of making movies in the eighties they were inspired from the fifties, so you get this sort of um it's it's very circular um so that's kind of that's kind of what started me on 80s horror like I just it was I remember sitting down in my office and getting a sketch pad out and just writing down the names of who I wanted to be in it you know John Carpenter all of that kind of stuff and and it all started with that kind of manifestation so that was July 2018 and we fast forward to October 2019, and we're in Hollywood, we're at Beyond Fest. It's a packed 600 seat cinema. There's a queue around the block. And, you know, what I realize now is if I hadn't have come along and set this up, someone else would have done. Because sometimes ideas just want to happen, you know, they're not that complicated. And this was one of those, you know, very rare times where just everything came together. All at once, like people started reaching out to me as soon as I started doing it well before we went into crowdfunding
0: wow. and
1: so it was just it was like like that, and here we are like a few years later, uh completing this trilogy in its you know fifteen hour runtime with the greatest lineup of eighties horror icons ever assembled on screen, with a few of them sadly no longer here and and it's made a dent in the horror universe. I really believe that they'll be watching in search of darkness in a hundred years because it covers this decade, which is going to be still relevant in the hundred years. Um, yeah, and that's no, what's remarkable about the whole process.
0: No, I agree with you. And I'm thinking like, you would you the point that you brought out before was how like history re- repeats itself. So I feel like right now for horror, we're in this time period where I feel it's the best time to be a horror fan and other than the eighties and because now technology has advanced so now we're in this whole like hey we can do what we did in the 80s but we can amplify that uh so i think the best is yet to come honestly and i think this right here what you had with this documentary now you're getting you're getting newer horror fans that are just being like introduced into this world uh a taste of what it was like to to be in the 80s when you know and and Sean I know you can talk about this cuz you were you were a teenager in the 80s uh back in the 80s dude I mean it was frowned upon almost horror. and and now it's it's glorified <laughs> you know it's uh it's it's crazy the the transition um that that occurred and you know with this documentary I you said you started in 2018 correct correct yeah and just sat one day hey I'm gonna, I'm going to jot some names down and See who I want on the on the show and it just started falling into place for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, um we'd just done so the poster that one in Search of the Last Action Heroes, that was our first documentary, um, where we did it uh, under Creative EC and we crowdfunded it. So during the production of that, um I had enough time to look at something else and I thought, well, you covered action now, let's do horror. Um and what was really interesting is I put together like a 90 second um little montage of clips um and we put it out on twitter and it went viral like just blew up like people started emailing me so many sort of crazy things happened like when we did the first kickstarter we had a tier where if you paid a certain amount you could be in you could appear in the documentary and I had a whole bunch of people do it one of the people that did it was um Diana Prince, the Darcy... Oh, yeah, the, the, Male girl, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right, and and, and she did it, and, and, and then I had this one email that I didn't recognise. So after the Kickstarter, when we started production, I had to email everybody, and I was like, who's this email? So I wrote to the, you know, the email address, and I said, thanks so much for sort of backing us at this level. Could you, you know, we're about to start filming, could you tell me who you are and what you do? And about half an hour later, I got an email back saying, hi, my name's Corey Taylor. I'm the lead singer of Slipknot. it was like you know um and then we we, you know we ended up doing three kind of collector editions with him and uh you know for for his audience and it's just it's you know it's been no no matter what happens next uh with what we do we'll always have this trilogy and i'm so proud of it and um my great great friend david weiner who wrote and directed this um you know he, he He's put so much of himself into this film. Um, and you know, I I really think it works as a as a kind of comfort blanket. You know, people have it on in the background, people come in and out of it, you know, and you know, there's things we want to do later this year. We want to offer it out to independent cinemas so they can just run it all day, you know, especially during Halloween season and make some money for themselves. Like we don't want a license fee from it, we just want to support kind of indie indie theaters because people enough enough horror fans know about it now so it becomes this sort of uh mass, uh massive because they're super long um and then you just get sucked in and what we find is people say that it's like a comfort blanket for 80s horror fans like yes, it's just yeah. you know and um it, it doesn't pretend to be cleverer than it is you know, it's just the way I look at *In Search of Darkness*. Is it's just an indulgence.
0: Three parts, uh, which I was shocked that it was going to be. You know, three parts. And, and the funny thing about it for me was that I could sit here and it's like before I knew it, three hours has gone by. I'm like, it's been that long already. <laughs> you know,
1: when we um, <laughs> when I looked at the rough cut for *In Search of Darkness* three, which I reckon is the best received, like the the backers. Uh, um have been they've always loved what we've done but it's been next level with this one which was interesting to me because we'd covered all the major franchises we'd covered most of the clever films as well so this is like the bottom of the horror vhs shelf this is the kind of level we're at right like one note horror movies. this is like but, the old
0: english right this yeah is old, yeah so right? the on the bottom Yeah, <laughs> absolutely
1: and and you know that was a real challenge like how can you talk about a film that doesn't have that many dimensions, but actually, we found a way that, you know, that doesn't laugh at these movies. It, it kind of respects them. Um, but yeah, like it's it, you know, when I watched the rough cut for that, I remember thinking I'm supposed to be looking at this in a critical way. But after about ten minutes, I was just I was just curled up in front of the fire, watching <laughs> watching this and enjoying it as a you know as a as the audience. And I think that's a lot to do with the scripting and editing. Um, but actually, I think it's to do with the format as well. You know, you can cover a lot of ground and it's um, it's very much of its time. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I watch a lot of YouTube creators that cover old movies and introduce me to old movies. And some sometimes I don't have the bandwidth or attention span to watch an 80s horror movie. Um, but I like the hit of covering it the best bits and talking about it for like five or six minutes. I like that. And I think that's what in search of darkness does pretty well.
0: I agree. I agree, man. It gives you just, just a taste of that film. And I, what I started doing is I watched the first one and then I'm like, I got to start writing some of these movies down, you you know? And I get, I get to the second one. Now when the second in search of darkness, I have my notebook and I got a pen and I'm I'm going, Oh, what I haven't seen this. I'm going to write this down. I'm going to watch this one you know that was
1: that was something that we hear a lot and it wasn't intentional with the first one um but by the second one we realized that we were introducing um our audience to some horror movies that they hadn't watched so in the packaging for the blu-ray for the second one we had a kind of watch list that you could tick off and with the third one which is um shipping out right now um we've Done it again. We've put a kind of watch list in there where people can go and actively tick off all of the films. We're going to be developing something called the In Search of Darkness Challenge, which is because um, we're going to be running a flash sale on March 28th for the remaining stock that we have. And um, to help promote that, we're going to be developing a, a kind of free digital PDF with all the films we've covered in the trilogy. Okay. And you know, the, the In Search of Darkness Challenge is you know only the most hardcore elite horror fan will have seen everything and ticked it off oh,
0: there it is sean you ready oh yeah I'm sure, uh, we should I'm probably sure come I've up with some sort of prize
1: some prize for completing it but um no it's it, it's you know that was something that wasn't intentional and it and then by the time we got to part two and certainly by part three it's something we think about now we realize that actually um you know what we're doing is curation and the way we did it with part three is before we started any production and before we did our first crowdfunding and pre-sales campaign we went out to our audience and we said look wh- wh- who you know what do you want us to put in part 3 and then after that first crowdfunding campaign back in October 2021 all the backers got to vote for what films they wanted us to cover so what's quite kind of cool now is if i get you know if we get criticized on twitter for saying oh, you, you didn't feature this film and I'm like, that's because our backers didn't vote for it. Yeah.
0: You know? Like you left it up to the backers and the, and the people that supported the film, which I think is cool. It's more interactive. They feel like they have a, a piece
1: in this. That, that's the mission here. You know, with everything that Creative EC does, it's not, you know, I'm not really interested in being in the TV industry or the film industry at all. You know, I, I like to call it fandom with purpose. It's community-driven entertainment, and the whole experience um, of backing one of our projects, all the events and the journeys that that we publicize and promote, and and it's very inclusive all the way through production, that's part of the entertainment value. What we find is the relationship between, the relationship that the backers have with the film that they've co-produced, essentially, that's very unique, you know when we see our blu-rays and stuff go up on eBay they're, they're, you know they're hundreds of dollars because people don't often get rid of it because they their names in it you know yeah. it's 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 really a manifestation of their fandom um and that's the kind of work I really like doing um because you know in a, in a in a very simplified way, it allows me and my team. almost work with our audience to develop a brief that they want us to deliver for you know and deliver for them and so it's very it's very insular by design
0: and that makes sense man it does And one other thing that ran through my mind is how did you guys decide on what films you were putting into this like uh how did what was that process like
1: well um it's it's not really that complicated so with the first one um you know we looked at what were the most important horror films year by year you know we want, and and then it also came down to access like what talent can we access actors behind the scenes um obviously for the filmmakers themselves yeah. um and so it's a combination of who can we feature so across the trilogy we have 125 contributors so this is the greatest lineup of 80s horror icons ever assembled on screen um and so it's meant we've been able to cover so many films at, even though that we, you know we don't we, we're very fast we don't spend a long time on one film it means that we get enough insights and depth where it feels you know like you're you're touching the film um but there's been um you know the the, the greatest thing for us is where we get a kind of a contributor that's been in loads of different 80s horror movies Because, you know, that's one interview where we can actually get insights about a whole bunch of films. Um, So that's how we kind of make our decisions. It's partly to do with what are the most relevant films that we can cover? What can we talk about in terms of, you know, how that film thematically links to what was happening in society then and how we reflect back on it now? Because part of what um, our role is, is to recontextualize 80s horror um you know i've got i've got a documentary that's in production right now um called aliens expanded and it's looking at um james cameron's aliens oh and so you know 20 years ago there was like so many making of documentaries done about aliens like they're amazing we can't compete with that but what we're trying to do is recontextualize that movie and go not scene by scene but highlight all the most significant scenes and break them down and look at it from the fans' perspective now, so it's yeah. a way to kind of further enjoy the film, and I think that's related to In Search of Darkness because I think what what it does um, is it allows an audience to enjoy those films again. Yeah, those key in, moments in a, in a too, new way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like um, I don't know about you, but what I like when I watch a retrospective video, especially of a movie that I've seen that's fresh in my mind, I like it when someone explains to me in a way where I didn't see it the first time you know like their perspective and the way they're looking at it actually adds to my enjoyment and memory of the experience of watching that film and that's where that's one of the values that I think that we have with the documentaries we do is we 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 have that perspective which in of itself is interesting if you're keyed into it you know um and it's not too intellectual it's it's entertaining
0: yeah, no, and it's it's just enough, like I noticed, too. It's just enough of each movie that you had there. It's like you're not talking about one particular film for an extensive period of time. It's just, hey, key moments, like you said, you give us just enough to want more, and then add it to our watch list, man. I mean, the part three I just completed, it, it, it was incredible i i I think i i'm really
1: proud of part part. you know know, part three david weiner knocked out the park and it was a real challenge because my concern was you know like i said some of these films are are, are not that complex you know pieces you know (laughs) which was done on a you know budget of about 15 dollars like what can you say but actually you can find interesting things to say about these films um in a way that um doesn't disrespect the film um but actually you know we we we've got right now because it's a recent release we've got podcasts that've sprung up that are just covering films that we've featured and and people are going on social media saying i've just watched this because of in search of darkness 3 and that's that's like the highest accolade we can get like you know it's not something and i'm not sitting here going oh we we thought this through and you know, we knew we didn't, we didn't. It's always, you know, we go in with humility, but it's always so um, reassuring when we get that kind of feedback.
2: Why was it, you know, that you guys put it out as a three or four hour block instead of like hour long episodes? Like what, what, <laughs> what, 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 what is that
1: decision? Honestly, <laughs> right. Because we can do what we want, right. And, I, mm-hmm. and, and what? let me sort of validate that. Because of our model with pre-orders and crowdfunding, all we're focused on is debe- you know, delivering for our backers. Right? So if you think about a documentary that's being made for Netflix, it needs to appeal to the widest audience possible. We're the opposite. We want to appeal to the most narrow, deep audience possible. So it's like, well, regular feature time lengths, time doesn't matter to us. Honestly, so In Search of Darkness 3 is like over five hours long. It's like five hours, 40 minutes. It's, it's nearly six hours, which is insane. And we had to use special Blu-rays. You know, traditional Blu-rays are normally BD25 discs. We've had to go to BD50. It's a lot more expense just to, just to make sure that the Blu-ray quality doesn't get too compressed over like six hours. Um, but that's because we could and because we didn't care about external distribution because that's gravy but we're focused on our backers and our backers know our work now to be indulgent because we're not we're not cheap you know we're i, I like to think we're reassuringly expensive but we're really focused on the horror fan that's keyed into what we're delivering you know and i always talk about um <clears throat> there's a there's a guy called kevin kelly who's a guy that set up wired magazine. If you know Wired magazine, yep, and he's got this amazing essay called "1,000 True Fans," and that's our kind of mission. You know, um we want to have 10,000 true fans that will be part of every project we do.
0: Yeah, because you know, they're more of just
1: like, just delivering for them.
0: It's like a it's like a social media account in a way, right? You look at a social media account. I'd rather have 100 organic follows versus. A hundred thousand bots, robots, or just yep. people that you don't know. Because you're gonna get yeah. that engagement, you're gonna get people that care, and it's it's not fake follows, <laughs> you know, it's it's real, it's organic. So and also
1: you know. we know our followers because we have access to them. If you make a film for a TV channel, you don't know who they are, you don't know who's consuming. But we know we have an intimate relationship or a far more intimate relationship with our backers. Because of, you know, all the dialogue that happens all the way through making one of these, because they take about a year and a bit to make. Um, and we're moving into nineties. Um, that'll be the next in search of darkness.
0: That's what uh, I'm about to ask you. Are you yeah. are you covering the nineties?
1: Yeah, yeah. So we um the next in search of darkness, which will begin crowdfunding in October, that's gonna be in search of darkness, nineteen ninety 1990 to nineteen ninety-four. So we're actually splitting the decade in half so we can use an extended runtime to actually go deeper. Why I'm excited about 90s is the 80s, generally 80s nostalgia was huge, but now the 90s nostalgia is absolutely huge. I mean, you've got you know, Scream in the cinema this weekend, you've got, you know, the 90s are really big, but from a horror perspective, a lot of people think of it as the lost decade of horror but there's some incredibly interesting films to talk about. And I'm not just talking about the big franchises that everybody knows from the 90s. So the challenge for us is how do we make In Search of Darkness familiar enough for our existing audience, but also authentically feel like 90s? And that's a really cool challenge, and I'm super excited.
0: When is that? Did you guys start that process already? No,
1: no, no. We will begin uh, crowdfunding in October. And we expect it will be delivered either Q4 2020, okay, for oh. or Q2 2025. So that it takes, especially with a new decade, it's going to take a long time to long sort of. Time,
0: yeah. Well, yeah. One, one of my uh, suggestions, which you probably already are thinking about, people under the stairs.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh, I, with, like, I, I, like, yeah. but especially with this is why we split the decade up because there's so much, you know great movies that haven't been covered, because obviously we've been stuck in the, the 80s. But there's so much other stuff in the 90s that I never even knew about that we all want to take, we want to go on a journey with all our backers and, like, you know, go back in time to the 90s and, you know, go treasure hunting. Switching,
0: I guess, back to the 80s in In, uh, in Search of Darkness 3, from the 80s, in every movie that you had to sift through and put on the documentary, was there any, like, kills? For you as a fan, that that you put up in your in your top three, or, or what was your favorite kill from the eighties horror?
1: That's a really hard. I mean, um, you know, no one's ever asked me that. If I've got a favorite kill, I know what my favorite kill is, right? And it's not because it's particularly clever, but it's the only one that I've gone back and freeze framed
2: <laughs> okay. back
1: when back when I had a, re- a wired remote control to my VHS, you know, and you could do the frame grab. Oh thing. yeah, 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 okay. yeah. So it's the end of Nightmare on Elm Street where the mom gets sucked through the door. That's actually probably my favorite, my favorite kill. Um, and,
0: and you stopped it because because that you whole can see the ending, dummy, yeah. The dummy is right yeah. there, yeah. Which is like, uh, <laughs> man, for a film like that, and especially how big that franchise became, and then you, you know, you go back and
1: wait a minute. <laughs> it's, Do you know I went, like, see, I went to see? I went at the end of last year. I, they had a screening of Nightmare on Elm Street in London. And I went to see it with a couple of friends and it was such, I hadn't seen it in years. Right. And I was so impressed with it as a film and you forgive, you know, the, the few effects that kind of look a bit hokey, but it was still like magnificent. And we're in this cinema and just the vibe of watching Nightmare on Elm Street with a real audience. And we've all seen it a million times. We all knew all the dialogue but it was just so cool. And like, I love it when you have a movie experience like that, where it's like seeing an old friend, you know, that's what I love about 80s horror. That's you know, because we all have relationships with those films.
0: Yeah. Oh, Sean, what was your, you know, favorite? I mean, I don't even know if I can ask you this question, but I guess favorite or top three 80s horror films.
2: Oh, you can't ask me that question. They would change daily. Um, prowlers up there
0: uh maniac i think Man- maniac was covered in part one i think i believe and then prowler was in part three yep and what what's the third
2: uh, let me go with something i feel uh that we just shared on the page uh something i find very underrated as madman is one of my super favorites um i don't know i don't know which uh has that one been covered in search of darkness or no
1: well, um, madman that yeah, one yeah
2: madman 1981
1: i think it has do you know what it like it's all a blur i yes. can't tell you <laughs> i was like yeah we've covered that in part two i can't remember um you know i read somewhere that there was 683 horror movies made in the 80s i don't know if that's a true statistic
2: i've um, seen different lists i i try to find a comprehensive list but you know it, it like you just said it and I try to find lists that, uh, you know, strictly state the horror because a lot of the lists will venture into the sci-fi area. And I'm not really into the sci-fi. I just want the straight horror. And, you know, I, I, and I because I think some of the sci-fi stuff, they just label it as sci-fi horror because there might be some blood yeah. or something like that involved, yeah. you know. Like to me, like you were speaking about Alien earlier. I don't really consider Alien horror. I consider that sci-fi.
1: Yeah, to, me too. To I, mean, I mean, that's opinion, why we didn't feature it. Um, we we got criticized for not featuring it it's a hot debate so we featured the thing in in search of darkness (laughs) which is actually one of my favorite horror movies of all time but we're doing like the sci-fi documentary we did in search of tomorrow it's very likely that in the sequel which is in search of tomorrow part two um we're going to cover the thing and even though we've covered it in part one we're going to explore it in a different way in more of a scientific way Rather than a horror way, yeah,
0: yeah, it's that fine line,
1: you know. And just but also, it's kind of a silly argument, hard. isn't it? People, you see people in the comments really going at it, like, you know, this isn't sci-fi; it's fantasy. And I'm like, it's if it's, it's sci-fi, if we want it to be sci-fi, <laughs> has it got a rocket ship in? Yep, it's sci-fi, you know.
2: <laughs>
1: but just to has speak on about
2: seeing, um, about seeing Nightmare on Elm Street in the theater, you know, there's a company here in the states that does the same thing. They they throw the you old film in the theater. And unfortunately, like you said, I like to, you know, I've seen the movie how many countless times. We just saw My Bloody Valentine in the theater, my son and I. We saw The Thing last year. We saw um, The Lost Boys. You know, the list goes on and on. And it's just a shame that the, that that theater isn't packed for that with, with the popularity of 80s horror because, again, it's a whole different vibe when you're sitting. You know, I don't I don't like to be in big crowds, but people say to me, well, why do you go to concerts? Because the concerts about a vibe. Being in the theaters about a vibe. Everyone is on the same vibe and wavelength, so it. It, 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 you know it creates that experience. You know, but seeing on, like that's Andy a Valentine great way to describe on, on it. Valentine's Day in the theater yeah. this past year was just
1: amazing. The, the The two films I've seen last year were The Thing in the in the cinema and Nightmare on Elm Street, and both were just. It wasn't just about the movie; it was mm-hmm. about it was about time travel. You know, in Absolutely. that theater at that point, I was watching it for the first time and it was 82. You know, like it's sort of like that's and it yeah, there's and it's funny as well, with those really clever, notable, notable, iconic movies, they have they have to have complexity and depth and a lot of things going on. That's why we're that's why they're still relevant now, right? Um, but the way I like to look at movies is they they become friends with us and it's like, you're not the same person. Have you ever heard the, the, uh, the kind of quote about, you know, the same man doesn't step in the same river twice, right? Because right. the river's different and you're different. And I'm, and I kind of want to, uh, use that analogy with movies. Like, you know, you, you, you are not the same person that you were when you first watched a movie and loved it and for me the you know, movies that I loved when I was 14 I'm 45 right? so the movies that I loved when I was 14 and 13 some of them I still love some of them I can't watch like it would just interest me <laughs> right? but for some of the classics it's like I'm watching them but I'm watching them not as a 14 year old but as a 45 year old and my relationship and experience with them is completely perspective is completely expanded so I'm seeing and understanding things that just went over my head when i was a kid and you know hopefully when you know if i get to my 70s i'll be like wow i see i see all these characters and understand their nuances in a completely different way and that's what's amazing about the relationship we have with you know pop culture because it kind of you know it's like when you've got a kid and you're kind of measuring them on the on the wall their height it's a bit like that it's kind of a measuring stick
2: i think one thing that uh that speaks to it uh really well is uh hopefully this will be in your 90s documentaries, the movie popcorn and how they show you know like in the 50s and 60s going to the movies was an experience you know they're blasting in the sense they're shocking your chair yeah, yeah. there's things flying across the screen you know the room and stuff like that you know it's again it's it's not just a movie You're you're having an experience and that just doesn't exist anymore unfortunately but
0: and and you know what, Sean? It, you're right. That experience is everything. You know, going to the movies and seeing that film, um, and then going back to your point too, Robin, with the perspective when you're younger watching that film and then you're looking at it with a different lens as you're older, it's just um either either you end up seeing that same film and saying, Why did I enjoy this that much? <laughs> or you end up seeing it and be like, wow, I missed this. And like you said, things that went over your head. Uh, but to, again, with your point, Sean, like that experience, both of you guys are talking about that whole feeling. It's like going into the video stores. And I love that part of uh, the documentary part three in search of darkness that you talked about the video stores and how things were back in the eighties with the mom, pop shops and then blockbuster, you know, corporate kind of coming in there and, you know, monopolizing everything. But it's just that feel, um, I miss that feel going into the video stores.
1: I miss it as well. Oh, it's... And, I'm, I'm, and it's, you know, the, in my forever home, I'll probably have a room, which I will deck out as a VHS room. That's nice. A Massive sofa and a massive projector screen. And with shelves and shelves of VHS. Right. And I, my new hobby is going onto eBay, looking at TV, CRTV and video combis. <laughs> like they have a lot of in Europe. Um, because uh, I pro- I want to put one here somewhere, um, you know. Especially as we start to get a little bit older, you want to reconnect with your teenage selves. So that's why you know. If, if I look at the demographic of our backers, it's thirty five and over. You know, probably between thirty five and fifty years old. That's our key audience. It's not kind of teenagers now. It's uh, is it and, and it it's interesting. I've I've done a few podcasts recently, and it's just like. Everyone's around the same age. We're all, you know, thirties, forties, or whatever, and it's just like it's it's nice. It's it's there's a kind of connection there pre-built, you know. And I love yeah. that. And well, I, and experiences uh, yeah. that we,
0: we we've all been through and uh living through different time periods, because we're in the time period now where everything is digital, everything's streaming, everything's easily accessible. You know, back to I think a point you made earlier on is that you had to make a decision, you know, and commit. Yes, you, you had to commit to it. It's the
1: same thing with records, right? You buy a record, you save up your money, buy a record, right? And there'd be like three songs on the record that you really loved, and you weren't sure about some of the other songs, but you had to listen to them, listen to them, until you went, "Oh, I really like this other song now." You know, sometimes songs hit you at different times. And you're like, "Oh, I didn't hear it properly yeah. the first time," mm-hmm. and 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 that's you know what that was that was great about albums, and now no one does albums really like everyone's just getting you know streaming songs and playlists and stuff. And I missed the commitment you know and uh, uh one of my favorite 80s horror movies is the stuff oh okay
0: absolutely and, and, so,
1: and so one of the things i don't know if this is the same as you guys but i have like i have discovery stories about movies so okay, you know and there's two that come to mind there's one the stuff i remember i was working in a kitchen in a restaurant washing dishes and i would finished my shift and i walked into my town center where i live where i live now actually and they had like a pop-up shop. And I walked in and it had all these like secondhand videos. And I just picked up the stuff because of the artwork with the big tongue. Um, and I took it home thinking this is gonna be terrible, but and it was amazing, <laughs> it was amazing, right? The, so we the thing about our,
2: I'm sorry, the thing about a movie like that is, it, it's just so, you know, what would possess somebody to, in the beginning of the movie where you get where you got the guy just scooping up this white crap that's coming out of the ground, what would possess somebody to just put that in their mouth and eat it? You know what I mean? It's just, I do, it's so, I do. It's so, I do. Absurd. it's so absurd, but it's so amazing.
1: So when we got an opportunity to interview Larry Cohen, which was, I think, his last filmed interview before he passed, I was so stoked. I'm a huge Larry Cohen fan, huge. I've read books on him. Like I, but I love that discovery story. The other one um, was um, going to a kind of charity shop. I'm picking up a kind of big box VHS. This is when I was like maybe 13 of Day of the Dead, oh. right? And the European artwork for the VHS release actually wasn't very good, but it just looked weird. So I took it home and watched it. And it's like such an s- incredibly claustrophobic, horrific experience that I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And, and I fast forward, and when we did the first In Search of Darkness, I did some interviews myself. I went out to America, um, and I went to Pittsburgh and spent some time with Laurie Cadill, who played Sarah, in Day of the Dead. And I remember just thinking, this is crazy, because I've got this relationship and discovery story of the film that you're in, that you're known for in the horror, in the horror kind of circuit. And it's kind of all come full circle. You know, and this wasn't just any film. This was a film I used to watch on the regular. You know, and I still watch it from time to time. Like I still, um, I, there's elements of that movie and the artwork that I'm drawn to. Um, and that's you know, that's kind of we've all got we've all got stories like that. You know, you're um, you know, Jimmy, I'm looking at your amazing posters, and you have two of the greatest movies in the world right just... behind you. And, you know, Predator, Predator has horror elements. It's yeah. basically a slasher, right? Um, we consider it sci-fi, but Predator is a perfect movie. It's a perfect, I went to see it at the cinema a couple of years ago again. It's perfect. I went to a Q&A with John McTiernan at the end of last year. He was talking oh, wow. about it. It was just, it was just fat. But if, you know, I could watch Predator, um, you know, in 10 years time and nothing will have dated about it. And 100%. the pacing and everything will, it, there's just, but well, I remember the first sure. time I watched it, you know, like I, I, I remember where I was, who I was with, how old I was. That's what's amazing. That about
0: connection, it. that story. Yeah. That, yeah. That, you know why? My father, that was the first movie I watched with my pops was Predator. Wow. Yeah. So it was Predator and he was a horror guy too. Um, so yeah, we, you know, that, that connection with him, that, <laughs> my, that mom. Was my youngest memory.
1: My mum is coming over on Saturday night um, and we're going to watch Exorcist three, I'm <laughs> Sounds getting, like I'm like, you know, and it's just like, you know, like, <laughs> so it's just, it's, I, I, I love it. I don't really think of myself as like a horror person. Um, like I don't, you know, I, I, one thing I've learned, right. About the horror community is people, and uh, maybe, some, you know, First impressions maybe this is you people self identify with the horror genre, like you know what they wear tattoos, like what they have on their walls, all of that kind of stuff it's on their bodies there you go right look no one can question <laughs> your no one can take away your horror card sean right okay? right um but and you know i i'm not i'm not I'm not that, and i'm not uh i'm certainly not a horror expert, but one thing that I've learned and one thing I'm so grateful for. It is, um, first of all, we respect the horror fans. They honestly know more than us, right? And the fact that um, we created something that has been embraced by hardcore horror fans because they know what it is and what it's not, that's been amazing as well. Um, And uh, I I haven't... We did a sci-fi documentary, and that was hugely successful. But that fan base is so different to so the horror fan base, yeah, and I think why horror will always be hot but it's going through a kind of hockey stick popularity curve at the moment is because horror fans will support anything like you know have you guys seen Skinnermerrink uh
0: you know what I, I, that's on my list too recently i I have not got a chance to watch it yet
1: very yeah. controversial film, right um and you know I watched it and I couldn't get through it, right. And I really wanted to not, I couldn't get through it because I was frightened. I, I, I didn't, I couldn't understand why everyone was talking about it, but everyone has been talking about it. And it's an experimental film that came from nowhere that got a kind of, I wouldn't say global, but it got a transatlantic cinema release. You know, this $15,000 experimental film is in cinemas.
0: Yeah, I you know. know it's like, wild,
1: where you, what other genre does that? I think it's a huge success story. And because it was so polarizing, I had people on Twitter saying, this is the most frightening experience I've ever had watching a film in my life. So I went in going, right, okay, here we go. I'm prepared. Let's go. Wait, yeah. And, wait, and like, What am I watching?
0: What, what, what is am it? I watching? Right? But
1: I mean, that isn't, that's my personal experience of it. Um, and you know, the way I approach movies is I want to understand the value. Like I want to get value, value out of it. And sometimes I don't, and that's okay. That's on me but you can't deny something like Skinamarink the, the value that people see in it because it's blown up and you can look at, you know, some of these slashes you're talking about madman. You're talking about, you know, you've got the mutilator behind you, right? The, the, he, um, Sean, but like but people love these films and they get so much from them.
0: Without question.
1: And, and then other people don't, and that's okay.
0: Yeah. You know, it's like anything it's subjective. Entertainment is subjective. And, you know, with horror, though, like you're right, The De- fans, hardcore fans, or even if you're not a hardcore fan, but you love horror, you're going to support, you know, horror. Of course, there's going to be people, a lot of, you know, back and forth opinions on certain movies or whatnot. Uh, but, you know, the beauty of it is, let's call a spade a spade here. Okay, Robin, the movie could be absolute garbage. Like you could see it and like, this is not good. But you're going to have a cult following and people be like, ah, this movie is the best movie <laughs> I've seen in my life. And that's but I okay, love that. You know? But I love that. Yeah. Um,
1: you know, talking about like cult movies. Um, this year, I went to see and it's not horror. You might you might kick me off the podcast. Right. But I went to see, um, I went to see one of my favorite movies of all time is Purple Rain. Right. Oh, and okay, I, well
0: that about wraps it up here, guys. No. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, purple rain is amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah, purple,
1: purple Rain's rain is amazing, right? And I went to see it, and I, you know, I have it on boot. Like I watch it. I've been to the cinema three or four times whenever they played it, but I watched it again, and it, and I realized I was just I was there for the vibe, and like every shot, even like the cutaways, even like like suddenly became significant when I was watching it, and I, and it goes back. I don't want to repeat myself, but like it's you know your relationship with a film. Is special because it's your relationship with it and you yeah. revisit it and you see different things and the only other movie that does that um, to me every time I watch it I see something new is Donnie Darko yeah. um, and uh, you know th- I, I was talking, I'm going on a uh, a YouTube channel in a few weeks to do a watch along of Repo Man okay, uh, Repo Alex Man, Cox yeah. yeah yeah right and like that you know th- that's a film that occasionally calls me like i just you know i'll end up going on ebay trying to find like key rings (laughs) like just you know i don't know what i'm doing i'm just like i have a yearning for it and um you know that's i don't know where i'm going with this but like that's kind of the vibe right yeah (laughs) it's it's just something
0: it's it's you you know everybody's different everybody you know has their thing that they they love and they enjoy we have those movies that we can watch over and over and they just never get old
1: you know, I'm gonna like, ask you a question, right? Horror three six five, right? Which is you know, wicked title. What? Why did you start this? Because um, you know, we're there's there's a real commitment and a time commitment to doing a podcast and keep it regular and you know, all of that kind of stuff. Why? Why did you do this? I love it. I'm passionate about this. Like, there's a
0: couple things in my life that you know, I thoroughly enjoy that. I can see myself doing every day and it won't feel like work. You know, I'm a huge wrestling fan, uh, and horror fan. And I've always been, and for me, I've had wrestling events in the past where we had wrestlers come in. We had a contract Buffalo wild wings in New York and, uh, we had, you know, different experiences. I wanted to provide experiences for fans. That's different than a convention. You know, I want you to be actually able to hang out with these people. And that's what I did with wrestlers, and now I started dabbling a little bit with horror personalities as well. Uh, but it started here with the show, and I came up with the name. I wanted to do just right podcast, just talk about horror, you know. And it's starting to grow, you know, every every week. And you know, right now on Facebook, we got about
1: thirteen thousand. It's organic yeah.
0: follows. It's not. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. And it I just,
1: can see why. Like, there's just something. I mean, the the connection with wrestling. Obviously, we've got Chris Jericho in yeah, yeah. Search of Darkness 2 and 3. Um, and, uh, you know, like he was friends with Corey Taylor and uh, Darcy, the male girl. And I was like, Darcy, can you hook us up with Chris? Because, uh, you know, he's a great name. You know, we like to have kind of popular figures that are horror fans in our things to give like the fan perspective. Yeah. I never knew how incredible his knowledge was. And like, what a dream! I had this mad day where we were filming. We were doing. We were filming the sci-fi documentary in Search of Tomorrow, and we um, and we flew Chris Jericho in. I can't remember where. Maybe Florida. We flew flew him in from Florida to LA where we were shooting. And on the same day, we were filming uh, Peter Weller. (laughs) So and and they crossed over. So I remember being on a a Zoom call just like this, but it was Chris Jericho and (laughs) Peter Weller. And I'm like, I was in my kitchen <laughs> just chatting to him. It was just such a surreal experience. Uh, but he, you know, Chris Jericho knows his horror, and he's like the real deal.
0: Yeah, you could tell. And the guy is just, like you said, he's extremely knowledgeable. I don't know. I never met Chris. But just hearing him talk and hearing his just podcast. Class, just
1: yeah. My experience was him, his team, everything about them was classy and yeah. delivered. And I, I'd love to have him back in the 90s.
0: That's a guy, yeah, that's another guy I was thinking about like trying to reach out to to get him on the show because i I'm a huge wrestling guy, but at the same time, horror and he's like right there, he's in both, you know, and that would be a you know a nice uh nice interview, nice conversation with chris, uh and he's a talker man, like i you know i listen to his podcast as well too, uh so he's he's really good at what he does man and and you could tell it's just he's passionate all around you know back to the people that's another question just popped in my mind now. Yeah, was there anybody that you wanted to have on that you weren't able to obtain?
1: Yeah. Uh, So the the uh, the white whales, as I call them, these impossible missions (laughs) that we have to hunt until we get them. (laughs) The two, right? Okay. Uh, And they 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 shared uh, joint top position. Okay, Bruce Campbell, oh, just couldn't make it work. I was thinking, yeah. And Clive Barker, who we came so close to uh many times just didn't happen and and i and you can't win them all but i have a brilliant story oh i'm ready okay so uh we worked so hard to get everyone i had a chat with barbara crampton uh last weekend she called me up about like another thing she's looking at um and i said to her i remember when um because because it was a crowdfunded documentary and this is back in 2018 People were very sceptical about crowdfunding. and I remember having a chat with Barbara and she was like, you know, normally I don't do crowdfunded projects because, you know, there's a chance they might not come out and blah, blah. And we were like, this is a hundred percent happening. We're really committed to doing this. Barbara joined the casting and it just opened up. Everyone else wanted to come on. because Barbara came on, yeah. but we couldn't get every, and then the next sort of huge thing that happened at the end of production is we've got John Carpenter. So oh. it's like, this is official. We've got John Carpenter. Um, uh, but we, we, you know, we, we we couldn't get everyone. And then when we were when we were in production for part two, I got called up by Robert England's agent, right? And I, you know, I'm sure you've had to deal with agents.
0: Oh boy, this, yeah.
1: this was the greatest call with an agent of my entire career. <laughs> she rang up. She went, "Hey, right, um, Robin, uh, Robert wants to be in In Search of Darkness Part Two. <laughs> Can you have him in it?" And I was like, "Hmm." Let me think about that, right? And it was like Robert, you know, part one was a hit, and Robert likes hit, right? hits, uh, and it was the best conversation. I said, "This is the best conversation I've ever had with an agent." And, you know, he, you know, and and David, my director, went out to see him uh, and was with him for three hours, and he was magnificent. Um, he's very theatrical and yeah. super smart, right? And elevated in his thinking and the way he explains stuff. And you know that that was. That was a great. I remember I was out with a friend when I got the email, and I was like, like I am so happy that he wants to do this. And you know, with um, you know with '90s, there's lots of big names that we want to get involved. But at least now we go in with a bit of a track record. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that, you know, Clive Clive Barker, um, you know, would have been great. And and Bruce Campbell, when you see him in interviews, he's like charisma on legs. Like he would have been amazing. We didn't really have anyone from Evil Dead um who was really part of it and um you know i feel that although our segments on it were really good and they were you know the the, the commentators who talked about it were very knowledgeable i would have loved to have someone from the film that had been in that experience um because it's it's you know one of the greatest horror you can't talk about 80s horror without talking about people dead um, i agree but in a way when you're covering a decade like the 80s there'll never be Another decade like it. It was just Never. pure creativity. Like, and you're spoiled. You know, we could be talking for five hours on a podcast about eighties horror and miss out some big stuff. Oh, because yeah. Because you go down all these rabbit holes. It's
0: littered, man. It's littered with eighties movie, eighties horror, man. Uh, horror movies, I should say, in the eighties. And and that's I don't. know, It was just a time period, like you said. It's originality uh, at its peak. I feel like, and also though, at the same time. It was because of that boom, and this is what we're, what I think we're seeing now. Because of that you boom, in the that, 80s, yeah, 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 it's like everybody wants to get in now. It's like you know, I gotta, I gotta make a sequel. You know, look at Psycho came out in 1960, right? And then Part Two, all the way in the 80s, because of the horror boom. So everybody wanted to jump on board. And have well, you seen? Uh,
2: how- I'm sorry, that, that's like I said earlier, Jimmy. You know, uh, when you have uh, Friday the 13th was popularity, then you have a run of cookie cutters. You know, and it's just an explosion. The same thing with music. Um, you know, you have your Miley Cruz, your Poison, your big bands, but then you have another 20 bands that are cookie cutter, you know, on the Sunset Strip in Los Angeles. You know, the same thing with horror. Once Nightmare on Elm Street hit, you know, now you got, you know, a run of cookie cutter movies of, of you know, the same kind of deal going on. So it's just a what, okay, so this is
1: loaded. so So this is a question for both of you right i agree with you jimmy i think we're seeing another golden age right um and the barrier to entry is so low that anyone who's really committed can make it happen now or at least have a go um what's come out in the last five years that that you've got excited about from a horror movie fan perspective uh, I'm taking over the show now. I'm gonna,
0: <laughs> Robert, yeah. you know, we're gonna to have to schedule something. But part you got to put me in the 90s now. I got to be in a dock now. This is it. We're talking go ahead. if you, if you,
1: yes, if you wear that jacket. Okay, <laughs> so yeah,
0: listen, uh, let me tell you, hold on, why are you here?
1: <laughs>
0: I was debating between this or the silver one, Rob. Well, you know, silver one, that's a,
1: that's a hard one. That's a hard one. I'm impressed. It's, oh, geez, <laughs> you got it. It's a done deal,
0: Sean. What are you saying? Uh, I'll answer the question,
2: but for me, um, you know, my problem with anything past the early nineties is CGI. I'm not a fan of CGI at all. And I think even the worst practical effects in the eighties are better. Even when, you know, it's just ketchup on somebody's shirt are better than anything. CGI, but that's just my personal opinion.
1: I I agree uh, with you. I agree with you. However, because it's been like, because it's been so long since the early CGI, mm -hmm. it's, in a way it's kind of forgivable now like people like it's, it's sort of yeah like fair. it doesn't it doesn't take me out of the film i don't I hate agree. it as much as i did there was a period maybe like the early 2000s where i'd watch early it 90s, was horrible and it looks horrible but now in 2023 like you can go well that's just olden days computer technology you know
2: but the one thing that I talk about to everybody is from A24 Studios is the movie X and then the uh, the prequel Pearl.
1: I haven't it, seen Pearl. I, I, I watched X.
2: So I love them both. And I believe those are done with practical effects. Um, I like the Pearl so much better, even though there's less killing and stuff. I, I just can't speak enough of those two movies. And I'm very excited for the uh, sequel to X. It's going to be called Maxine. Um uh, those I, I you know when people ask me for something new, uh what's the one with the uh there's one with a with a puppet. I think it's called Dead Silence, or what's that? Uh
0: yeah, I think it is Dead Silence. It's yeah, like, it's like, like a, a puppet. A, a, from a woman, she's, holding a, she's holding a puppet on the cover. It's like the shirt. he's like uh yes, yes. Yeah. So
2: when yeah, yeah, so, I was yeah. in Salem last year, we went to Cat Orlock's Museum, which is absolutely amazing. And he had a statue of, you know, of that, and, you know, he was telling us, we I've never seen it, and to this day I haven't seen it. I actually just ordered a 4K Blu-ray of it, and I'm going to watch it for the first time. But the thing that sold me was he had told me, you know, that it's all practical effects. So that's a, you know, that's a go for me there. So I'm hoping that I like the film, but, you know, oh. uh, but, you know, uh, again, people, when people ask me, well, what well, are you watching that's new? I automatically go to X and Pearl. And if you yeah. haven't seen Pearl yet, I recommend it as soon as possible. And I, I
1: enjoyed X. I enjoyed X. I haven't seen Pearl. Pearl is on my horror watch list.
2: It's uh, There's more more story to it, a lot more story. And, you know,
1: you get... Uh, she's amazing, that actor. She's, she's like, Mia she absolutely it.
2: amazing. Yeah, and, she's um, you know, you get a very, very in-depth look at Pearl and, you know, what made her... Become who she was and do the things she does. It's uh, uh, like I said, I'm very, very excited for. I think Maxine is in production right now, and that's going to take place in the 80s, which is another plus. So,
0: you know. X had that Texas Chainsaw 1974 vibe. It had that
2: vibe
1: to it. It did. It did. And that was deliberate. And you know what? I don't have a horror card, but I'll probably need to hand it in. I only watched the original Nightmare on Elm Street for the first time last year. I'd never seen it. It just—it was a gap, and I had some friends over, and they said, what do you want to watch? I went, have you seen it? I went, no. And I loved it. I thought it was amazing. And I saw so many other films that had copied it. And it oh, yeah. did divide the aesthetic. It's like In the air is very reminiscent of that, and I'm sure mm-hmm. that was deliberate. Um, oh, yeah. what, J- Jimmy, what about you? What have you seen recently that is like, in the last five years, that you've gone or. Oh, that's really captured my attention.
0: So many horror films, like and lately, they're just pumping them out. Um, I've seen recently Smile. I thought it was pretty. Uh, yeah.
1: I, I watched it in the cinema. I was like this. I was like, oh my god, yeah. I can't. Like, you know, just so good.
0: Jokes, Barbarian was another one that was. Uh, I
1: enjoyed that. that was, I enjoyed that Barbarian, but it's like they it kind of ran out of steam at the end. A little yeah, bit. no,
0: it did. It did. I agree with that. And
1: I still but, no, I enjoyed yeah. it. I really and it black phone was amazing
0: black oh thank you yes black phone yeah that was the other one again original you know I, I at least to my knowledge it's original um you know um and again 70s vibe with that um terrifier too you know i i've seen one i haven't I was, seen the you know, terrifiers i i never was like a terror behind the whole terrifier movement at first uh another team member who's uh wasn't able to jump on today horror daddy we call him he dresses up uh as art to cloud all these different he's a cosplayer, but he's so passionate and dedicated and detailed with his work man it's it's incredible, but he's a huge terrifier fan. and he got me I said, oh you gotta watch this I said, oh, so oh, it was creepy. the first one was was good. I said, all right, let's see the second one. The kills number one were all practical, um so th- they did a great job with that, and it was just it was sick like the movie was the movie was sick, so it got me <laughs> and, you know the buzz that was going around people passing out in the theaters or throwing yeah, out. that
1: that's the why I haven't seen it'cause the there's a whole bunch of horror movies like martyrs and like <laughs> there's a whole sort of and look what what do they call it torture porn
2: yeah like, where, exactly where the sores,
1: perifier, yeah <laughs> where the sores got to right where actually it was too like I don't maybe when I was younger like fourteen I would have really dug it but I find it I don't i'm it's not... I'm, I'm frightened of getting frightened, but I don't enjoy it as much as I used to. I just, can I give
2: I just, you a recommendation, Robin? Yeah. So before you watch Terrifier, I think the theatrical one was 2017, or Terrifier 2. Yeah. In 2011, he put out the first film called Terrifier. It's a 20-minute short, and it's my favorite out of all of them.
1: Wow. Have you, you seen it? You can find
2: streaming online. If you just type in... I, th- I think it's 2011. You just type in Terrifier 2011, there's a site somewhere that streams it, and To me, it's the absolute best one out of all of them. And and not a lot of people know
1: about it. You know, but that's a great story, Damien Leon, because he's an independent creator that's created a, a hugely identifiable character, a whole universe and IP around it, come from nothing. Yeah. And you can't, this is what I'm saying, like, you can only do that in horror. Passion. That's it's it been a
2: long time since there's been a character who stands out like Voorhees or Freddy
1: yeah, or Chucky, I, I, yeah. and, and Art the Clown does that. I respect that. You know, we, uh, we we do watch parties on our YouTube channel, and on Sun every Sunday night, and on this Sunday, uh, we've got um, Peter Jackson's Brain Dead. I think it was called Dead Alive dead in the yeah. US, right? Um, And Peter Jackson's another one where, you know, my favourite movie of his is actually Bad Taste um, because... Is that the one with
2: the guy with the big head?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it's a great film, right? It's a great film with a great soundtrack, but um, it's what it represents. It it, it says you can come from nowhere. And he literally, like Wellington, New Zealand, that's the opposite of any... uh, where the focal point of activity in entertainment, is like the most opposite place. <laughs> How can you go from there and do a film that took you four years to do with like, you've made everything yourself. You know, you've, you've made those alien heads in your oven, right? Four <laughs> years and then be, you know, behind one of the biggest entertainment fr- you know franchises and become a billionaire. Like, like that <laughs> is, that's what this genre, can do, and it's amazing. I mean, the, the the one of the things that really um impressed me over the last couple of years was a film, and it was a Shudder original. It was called Host, and it was all set on a Zoom call. No. just like that, this. That,
0: that, see, that's creepy. <laughs> now, what's going to happen right? next? Somebody's going
1: to pop out. So, and I and, and I've become, I've recently become friendly with a guy called Jed Shepherd who is the guy that wrote Host, and it's just. I mean I said to my dad who's like in his early 70s I said dad you've got to watch this and like if you watch this and you're like and you're going to commit you need to watch it on your laptop with your earphones (laughs) okay and he and I and I said look here you know here it is like go watch it and he wrote back to me the next next day saying are you trying to kill me (laughs) <laughs> right but like that that um and it's only 60 minutes long right and it was just i don't i can't say enough good things about it like i recently revisited it the first time i watched it, it scared the hell out of me i was like <laughs> that uh paranormal activity yeah. uh Blair witch all of those kind of films i love
0: did you see the blair witch project
1: yeah i did do you know what right so obviously we're going to talk about blair witch in 90s and um, but my personal experience I was at university in Manchester in, in England and I remember going to see it and being really excited about it and not enjoying it mm. Oh, I mean you know it's
0: that's why I said horror subjective you know uh, it's it's I think for me it's one of those films that it's it scared the hell out of me. I mean, the promotion for that was everything.
1: But that's what they talk about, and that was the first viral, like you Bad know, and, and everyone tried to copy that. And 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 um, it it's uh, yeah, like it's going to be so much. The '90s is going to be so much fun. I've actually bought Blair Witch Project on Blu-ray, um, and I need to watch it again because I haven't seen it since it came out since I was at university.
2: Just to speak to the opposite side of the spectrum from you, Robin, you said you weren't really, you know, excited about *The Blair Witch*. So I had seen it for the first time. I didn't see it in theaters, but I, I had it on VHS. And I'm an a guy—I'm a guy who likes the outdoors. And I had seen it before it was revealed that it wasn't real. And I—I I watched the *Texas Chainsaw Massacre* when I was 10 years old. I've been watching horror my whole life, and because it's in the woods and that's reality for me, it scared the living shit out of me. Like I'm not going to lie, there's a scene where. Uh they're in the te- after the one guy disappears and they hear him screaming in the night in the darkness, I was looking behind the couch, man. And I'm not even making that up. That scared the shit out of me. But because, you know, because I like the outdoors and that was a very realistic, you know, thing, then I got disappointed, you know, when it uh
1: was revealed, it was revealed
2: that but it wasn't real, you know.
1: I I love but it. A lot, I mean, people, I just- a lot of
2: people look at that as like a start of found footage, but that all started in the nineteen eighty with Cannibal Holocaust, man. They, you know. It didn't start there. Cannibal Holocaust, I believe, yeah. is like is like the you know original.
1: I mean, that, it's a very controversial film because of um the animal killings and stuff. Yeah. Like that. And actually, when we covered it in part two, Chris Jericho did a really good piece of commentary about it. But if you watch Cannibal Holocaust and if you can see past, I love it. Yeah, it's 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 a very evocative film. Um, I. The last so host, if you haven't seen it, it's on Shudder. Mm-hmm. Please watch it, and extra points if you watch it on your laptop. I'll like, give it a shot. I'm I'll, I'll a laptop. I'll give you, I'll give you accreditation on your horror card if you manage to do that. Okay. Let's go. Okay. The other, thing,
2: um, the other thing about Cannibal Holocaust, you know, I still genuinely believe that some of those natives might have actually been really killed in that film.
1: Man, I, like I, it, I, but that was the whole pitch. It was a it's snuff so movie. so right? to not.
2: It's, it's, yeah. Like the girl that's on the beach where he's, you know, hitting her with the rock and everything, man, that's that's not only hard to watch, but, you know,
1: it's interesting, right? Because what you've touched on is the idea of the urban myth. Right? Mm-hmm. And so when I was growing up, I grew up through the video nasties era where everything was banned. Right. Right. Um, and, and I remember um, being about 16 and The Exorcist was banned. And I'd always heard about this movie and they were they were so it's banned on video. And I found they were screening it somewhere. So me and a friend of mine, and we both worked at Pizza Hut um, at the time, after our shift, we drove up to watch The Exorcist, and it just absolutely blew my mind. But when it came around again, like in the 90s, for their big cinema release, they did a little bit theatrical release, and they added footage and stuff, it was still amazing because it's a per- another perfect film, but it didn't, ha- it didn't have that mythos because right. it had a bad. The Evil Dead was banned in the UK. The first time I watched that, I remember there's a jump scare in The Evil Dead where I literally, you know, I levitated off the couch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, right, mate.
1: <laughs> yeah, and the other, the other one, right, there's two, uh, there's two other movies I'm going to shut up, right? There's two other movies. Um, uh, the scare, there's a made-for-TV movie which is British, which if you haven't seen it, it's the greatest jump scare ever in history right the woman in black
0: woman in black mm. dad please
1: now. get on google and order that movie the woman in black is from like 1983 of all 1983. i'm trying to
2: think if i've seen that one
1: it has the well daniel Radcliffe remade it in the 2000s right but the original was a tv movie but it was feature length That just blew my mind. And then the original, I remember I was in my thirties and I watched paranormal activity on home, at home in my laptop in my apartment. And I think I was like 32 or something. Uh, You know, 32 year old young man had to sleep with the light on, (laughs) hearing all these noises.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the nightlight, the SpongeBob nightlight and everything going. (laughs) You got to put on a Disney movie after that to get the light (laughs) on. Oh man. No, listen, it's real. You watch horror movies at night. Some horror movies will do that to you, like you just like, what did I, I just watch? Why? Did I, I, I won't
1: watch? watch horror movies on my own, right? Oh. I really, yeah, like I don't. It's I get I get too into it, and, <laughs> I, and I get uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, I'm like I'm a bit of a scaredy cat. Like I won't. There's a lot because I get so into it, it really yeah. affects me. It, you know, I get you know, I'm like this. I'm like you know, watching Smile at the cinema. I was like, oh, you know. Reclining into my chair, <laughs> trying to sort of, you know, but that's what's amazing about it. Like, I a, a don't, apart from maybe like really well done big effects pieces, there isn't another genre that, that.
2: Oh, it could be, yeah. it could be something simple. I mean, I remember watching Dark Knight of the Scarecrow when it came out on TV in the early 80s, as of whatever, not you know, 12, 13, whatever, how old I was. And the part that I didn't, I couldn't sleep was at the end when the Scarecrow turns his head. It scared the living shit out of me. And I did, I 100% didn't sleep that night, you know, but yeah. some, something that simple, you know, and, and a made-for-TV movie where there wasn't any blood or anything like that going on. But just the thought of that, you know, Scarecrow turning his head at the end of that movie like he did, that that just...
1: That's, that was the, perfect, I mean, that's the perfect age, is 12 or 13. No doubt. That To imprint horror. Mm-hmm. It's like tribal scarring. It's like, you know... <laughs> <laughs> I've got I've got two young daughters and I was having a chat with my wife uh, say is six years old too young to watch Jaws it probably is <laughs> <laughs> it probably, I don't want to go to the beach
0: is. man I'm not yeah i am
1: never go I won't go swimming my my wife's from Australia right so we we, we go back every well we go back as much as we can and um, but I never go swimming in the sea because they've actually got real sharks so oh. you know and Jaws did that to me so yeah oh yeah Oh yeah, no joke, man. I'm not
0: in the water. I go maybe just a uh, feet. That's it. I'm not. I'm not going in. I'm not a water guy. The, the beach, I'll go. I sit the sand for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a
1: water guy. You know, you know I like
0: yeah. watching the water. I like <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. on a platform.
1: That I'm movie. Just... That movie. You know, yeah, scarred me. So, um, guys, this has been really fun, and I, I want to thank you so much for inviting me on. It's a real honor. Um, and and privilege and when we get to do in search of darkness 90s um please reach out and and we'll hook you up with david weiner who's who's far more knowledgeable um and way more charismatic than me
0: no come on man you've been been a blessing man i appreciate
1: it robin but um you know he he would love this and um he can go really deep because obviously he directed everything um but you know thank you so much for for inviting me on that I find that stuff, you know, this is a really great podcast. And um, I find that I get a lot of energy and ideas from doing this kind of thing. And I appreciate it. I feel uh, very honored. Oh,
0: dude, Listen, Robin, you're more than welcome. Thank you for taking the time for us. But, but before, before we let you go, I got a little segment here. Okay. It's called the two-minute drill. So I'm going to ask you a whole bunch of random questions. Uh, and there's no right or wrong. It's just you know you, you give me your best response. I'm gonna set my timer here, but you got to do it within two minutes. Uh, we only okay. have one person to complete it, but I think it was set himself in most of the answers. So <laughs> yeah, so here we go. You ready to rock and roll?
1: I'm I'm there.
0: Okay, we're here. Three, two, one. Favorite horror icon. Charlie, uh, uh, chocolate
1: chip Charlie. <laughs> Favourite slasher? Friday the 13th.
0: Weapon of choice? (laughs)
1: Pass, (laughs) pass. To remake or not to remake? To remake, to remake, you know? You never know, they get it right sometimes. Dark Alley in New York City. Who do you want to have your back? Jason.
0: Best horror personality?
1: Uh, All right. Um, This is the first one that comes to mind. And they're not talent, um, but it's a guy called Phil Noble Jr. who is the editor of Fangoria. Fangoria, Uh, And like, whenever I listen to him speak about film, it's, it just, I feel, I could just listen to him talk about films all day because it's so interesting. His viewpoint—I don't know—probably a bit more of a like a, a, a kind of talent personality. Maybe Joe Bob Briggs. Like, there's a kind of affinity that we all have to him, and, uh, and he's like a centre point for it. So yeah, and he's in such darks. Joe Bob, got it. 80s or 90s horror? 80s, 80s, all day.
0: All right. Universal monster choice.
1: you am gonna go with Frankenstein.
0: What's your horror movie junk food? What's my okay?
1: So, what do I eat when I'm yeah? Here, what's your junk food <laughs> okay. choice?
0: Yep, buffalo
1: <laughs> wings, buffalo, buffalo
0: wings. wings. That's it. Awesome. Uh, we hit the time, but I there's a lot more. I want to actually just a couple more on this list here. Who's the ultimate scream queen, in your opinion?
1: Oh, okay. So this is a controversial one. Okay. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Barbara Hampton, right? But mm. there's a trilogy: Caroline Williams, Kelly Maroney, right? Mm. Um, love them, love them, right? But but when I first started speaking to Barbara when we were doing, um, I'm sure she won't mind me saying this. When I started doing In Search of Darkness, we did a little promo video, like called Screen Queens. Okay. And Barbara was like, I don't like to be thought of as a screen queen. And she sent me a link to an article she'd written in Fangoria, because she's a writer as well, about the term screen queens and not wanting to associate. I can't remember why, but but to me she's, you know, to me she represents, you know, like especially now because she's still so she's having a massive resurgence in her career. A lot of the iconic screen queens are still, you know, working now. Yeah. I would say that, and, and actually, Linnea Quigley, who's in uh, in such. Queen of Entourage. She's yeah, the queen. Yeah. You know, and and um, and she's she's really comfortable. I tell you, who's actually very active on social media with us is Joretta Jaretta um, from Demons, and um, Caroline uh, Williams, who. Uh, is still doing movies and and obviously you know uh, famous for Texas Chainsaw Massacre two and um, Stepfather two and stuff so yeah yeah that's a good list right there horror movie crush I definitely have one <laughs> <laughs> oh man all right you know who it is is because it, because it's because I was really fascinated with the vulnerability the combination it's Heather Langkamp. Because oh. you've got this, com- you've got this um, duality going on of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. She's a teenager in this awful situation, but you've got this incredible inner strength. And actually, that reminds me of my wife, because my my wife is, you know, um, you know, very feminine, and but she's super strong inside. She's a very strong person. And it has that inner strength and and and, and you can see uh, Nancy Na- you know the character of Nancy in the progression through that film. Um so that's my that's my horror crush because it's not it it it, it it's multidimensional. She's beautiful as well, right? So but but it there's more to it than that.
0: I think that's the perfect answer, and I'm taking some notes if anybody asks me that, because i got to throw the misses. <laughs> that's a, always get the misses over. <laughs> <It's good> <laughs> <up>. <laughs> All right, so, uh, Robin, I know we've been, we held you up a, a long time here, but uh, last My question pleasure. for you, man. Um, Ten years from now, where is Robin Block? Um,
1: I want to – okay, on a career level, I really want to take – community-driven entertainment as far as i can right so there's you know we've got projects in, in the gaming genre in sci-fi uh, you know not not just horror um and i want to see how far i can take it i want to look at things like lord of the rings like i want to lo- i want to basically develop i want my career to be about developing ways for uh fandom and groups of fans to better manifest their relationship with the work they love. So I think that in Search of Darkness, especially if you're a backer, especially if your name's in the credits, that Blu-ray, that physical item is a manifestation of your fandom. And that's what my career, I want it to be about. I feel like it's a vocation. Um and I want to go beyond what people think of as a documentary. I want to sort of create my own niche. Um, in terms of life, um, I love I love being at home with my family. I love watching my girls grow up. Um, and you know, ten years from now, um, I'd like to be doing what I'm doing now. Go, you know, being in, how amazing being invited onto a podcast. You know, get getting to you know people. You do something, people like it, and they tell you they like it. Best job in the world. I you know I just want to see how far I can take it.
0: You're the best, Robin. You know we love you for what you created, man. Uh, and, and it's gonna—it's you can't take it back. You know it's there, it's solid. It's—it's it's a gem. It's a a gold bar for me as a horror fan. Like,
1: and thank you so much. You know, it's, like, it, it's not look, look. I I, I, I kind of kicked things off and I pulled the team together, and but it's a collaborative effort. You know, and and, and David would say this: we've got an amazing team at Creative E.C., Everyone I was working then with, I'm working now. We've been together for almost five years, and we've all grown, and we all point to In Search of Darkness as, like, the greatest gift. Um, And the final thing I want to say is that what's amazing about crowdfunding and projects, and there's zero barrier to entry, you know? You've just got to make something that people want. I I was not in the film industry or the TV. I just went off and started doing it. You know, and 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 that's why I looked to people like Damien Leon and Peter Jackson that just didn't need permission. Um, and, you know, sometimes you get lucky. I got very lucky working with David Weiner. I got very lucky with everyone that worked on that first one. We had some, you know, Heather Wixon, um, Jessica Dwyer, like some really amazing people who are super well-known in the horror fandom. Um, you know, you trusted me, gave me a shot. Um, and, and we we made something that I really think um, you know made an impact. We've just been nominated for a Golden Chainsaw Award. We just let's got go,
0: baby, Golden Chainsaw. We just got
1: nominated for a Rondo for the series for best documentary. Like you know, awesome. Um, yeah, like it, it was the soundtrack. You know, the new retro wave vinyl soundtracks, Weary Pines. Like it's not what I've learned about this is the whole thing is a collaboration um as a team team effort and you've got to be um you know the intrinsic motivation is the kind of compass it's like i would i would do this anyway you know um you're not obviously you want to do things that are going to be successful and commercially successful and that kind of stuff but if you can work on something that that has that you're keyed into it on a spiritual level that's the best thing in the world It's the first project really of my career really where it's been like i'm all in and it changed my life it changed the life of my team and you know i think that people will be discovering this series for a long time to come and um and the last thing is this it's a window it's a mirror it's a reflection of the fandom that it came from that's all it is and it's incredibly
0: done. And shout out to Creative
1: VC, the entire
0: team, mm-hmm. uh, to you, Rob, to Dave. Uh, you guys have done an amazing job. We'll
1: recommend that. this to Dave. Please get in touch when we start uh, talking about 90s because he would really love it. And I think he'd really enjoy meeting him. He'll have a whole different – because he did all the interviews. He'll have a whole – you know, yeah, well, amazing yeah, we'll stories.
0: Get, we'll get, definitely. I would love to have Dave on and, and talk to him. Yeah, definitely we will do. And uh, anything you need from us over here too, Rob, uh, Robin, listen, let me know any way I can help promotional videos. You know what?
1: Like I'll I'll hit you up and, and, and Jimmy and, and, um, thank you so much. Uh, you know, this is, you are who we do this for, like you're the customer, you know, like it's kind of, if, uh, you know, that's it. And you see this commonality, like there's, it's just like the bat signal. (laughs) So you throw up the bat signal. Everyone's like, right.
0: You had me sold what, at yeah. '80s, Robin.
1: You had yeah. me sold
0: at '80s. I'm there. What yeah. is it? What yeah. I mean? it's-
1: if you if- can tag the '80s, or just email. If you, if you start promote, if you push it out on your socials, just tag at '80s horror dot, and we'll. We've got about 150,000 followers, just on the horror, um, across Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. We'll push this out. Hopefully. Uh, you know, people discover your show as well. So, hey, listen,
0: that teamwork makes the dream work. I always said that, Robin. Thank you so much. I appreciate that, man. And, heads, thank you for tuning in to this incredible episode. And thank you for celebrating Horror, not only in October, but 365. We're going to see you next week.